Happy Black History Month, everyone. We are going into the last week of Black History Month, and trust, we will continue to celebrate all year long. Today's shooting star features Garrett A. Morgan. In 1914, Morgan invented a safety hood. It made polluted air more breathable. The invention was an early version of the gas mask later used in World War I to protect soldiers from poisonous gas. Morgan's invention was famously put to use in 1916 in Cleveland, Ohio. A tunnel that was being drilled under Lake Erie collapsed, trapping 32 workers. There was smoke and fumes, which prevented firemen from getting to the workers. Morgan and other men had to use his safety hood to reach the trapped men and rescue several survivors. Did you also know that Morgan is known for patenting a traffic signal in 1923? Around the turn of the century, there were cars, bicycles, horse-drawn vehicles, and pedestrians that all had to share one road. And as you can imagine, that was pretty dangerous. Morgan's traffic signal was the first to feature three commands instead of two, which controlled traffic more effectively. He sold the patent rights to General Electric for $40,000, which was a huge amount back in the day. Um, it was super exciting to me because I actually work at GE right now. So big ups to GE for recognizing greatness. Garrett A. Morgan. Today's tech topic is using technology to brand effectively. If your company has done its due diligence, you've probably already spent a bunch of time crafting your brand message, establishing your vision, your mission, your values and company personalities, which is great, right? So you've been going to the market with a clear, unified understanding of what your brand represents in the eyes and, and the hearts of your audience, your customers. Great job. But are you considering how technology is starting to change literally everything? So when thinking about technology and branding, you have to think about the different waves in the internet. So the first wave of the internet, brands suddenly had this new touch point to consider, which was websites, right? So they had to ask themselves, how do we play a role online? And the second wave of the internet introduced this added layer of connectivity, which is, as you can imagine, social media, right? So how do you introduce social media um, to your brand, your company, and use target advertising and, and things of that nature to leverage this second wave of the internet, social media. So now we're moving into the third wave of the internet, which introduces immersive technologies like virtual and augmented reality, artificial intelligence, wearable devices, and conversational interfaces like voice controlled speakers and chatbots. So these are all new things that we have to consider when we're building up our company and our brand. It has been predicted that by 2020, 30% of all searches will be made without a screen. So what does that mean? Immersive technologies will be defining the next 10 or so years of marketing. The time to start planning for all of this is right now. So here are a couple things that you want to consider um, as we're beginning to incorporate this third wave of technology, or third wave of the internet into our branding strategies. So customer service is no longer the way for brands to only speak with their audiences, their customers. You want to figure out how to define your brand voice. 
quite literally. Voice technology and smart speakers allow customers to converse with brands from the comfort of their own homes. Think of Amazon Alexa, right? So Amazon Alexa is adding 5,000 new third-party voice skills every 100 days. Not 5,000 this year, 5,000 new third-party voice skills every 100 days, uh, many of which come from brands. Taking advantage of platforms like Alexa and Google Home is a really great way for brands to test the waters of you know, voice branding. The next to consider is tapping into the network effect. The ubiquity of technology has democratized influence. Everybody has a platform. All of your customers have a platform on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whatever it might be. And it has been reported that 84% of millennials don't trust advertising. I don't trust advertising very much. Um, and this is why brands like Bumble are leveraging micro-influencers. So those um, Instagram models um, or you know fa Facebook folks that have lots and lots of followers, they use these um, micro-influencers to reach the eyeballs that would otherwise ignore their company. Consider who shares your brand value and start planning guidelines for when your customers are doing the talking. So figure out, you know, who, what are your customers interested in? Who are they following? And leverage the people that they are most interested in to advertise. And the third thing to consider is start building experiences. The websites of the future won't be on screens, as I mentioned earlier. They'll be accessed on surfaces, virtual reality headsets, or even glasses and contact lenses. This will allow brands to think beyond the traditional UX and start building immersive, perhaps full sensory environments. The market for artificial and virtual reality is expected to surpass, I believe, like 100 billion by 2021. This should be a signal that people are about to consume media differently, right? And brands will inevitably have to find a way to re-strategize on how to connect with their customers. So again, define your brand voice, right? Leverage Alexa and Google Home. Tap into the network effect. Figure out who your audience, your customers are following, who they trust and leverage that. And then start building experiences um, that leverage artificial intelligence, um, AR, virtual reality, that sort of navigate away from the traditional UX experiences of your website. There are so many things to be excited about here in the Milky Way. Um, March 3rd through the 8th, we'll be celebrating Women Entrepreneurship Week. The week is a series of events that brings together kick-ass women and their allies in southeastern Wisconsin to network, collaborate, and win together. Jack Constellations will be participating in Women's Entrepreneurship Week by hosting an event on March 6th called the Milky Way Entrepreneurs Connect. In this event, you will have the opportunity to learn from venture capitalists, startup incubators, and more through round-robin networking. This is also a really great opportunity for you to connect and expose your businesses to influencers in Milwaukee's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Perhaps you've been sitting on a great idea and you're not really sure how to get it started. This is still a great event for you. 
You should come with questions and lessons to share with uh, the community. We'd be happy to have you. The event again is March 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Shindig Coffee at the Sherman Phoenix. And I'm super excited as at the Sherman Phoenix because that's like my number one place to go for everything these days. I basically live there. Um, and I'm just very grateful to um, the folks at Sherman Phoenix for allowing us to have the event there. Um, this amazing event is not just a product of Jet Constellations. We have collaborated with Two other amazing companies, uh, Alchemy Angel Investors and Comlet. Alchemy Angel Investors is a network of investors that unleash untapped sources of innovation through strategic investment in early stage, impactful and scalable startups founded by world-class entrepreneurs. And Comlet helps people manage stress and anxiety in the moment with the help of a smart bracelet and community-based app so each of us can live our optimal life. The founders of Alchemy Angel Investors and Comlet are both brilliant women that you just, you have to meet. And so I highly encourage you uh, figure out a way to make it to this event so you can meet the other hosts of this awesome event. I also wanna give a shout out to Teju, founder of Brand, experience. Um, she is also participating in Women's Entrepreneurship Week. Her event is called How to Create Memorable Brand Experiences. It is on March 8th, begins at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Continuous Technologies. I hope you can make that amazing event as well. Teju is so brilliant. She has so much um, information to share about creating awesome brand experiences. Earlier, we had the opportunity to talk with her about um, brand experiences, the importance of creating amazing experiences for our customers. And she shared such amazing um, knowledge on the topic. I can't wait for you guys to hear. So let's tune in. Well, Teju, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. I'm excited to have you share with the audience all about what brand experience is. So first, before we dive in, though, give us some background on yourself. Yeah. So, OK, I, I'm a brand experience strategist and I, I own brand and a brand experience firm, which is brand experience. So um, I also work for the Milwaukee Bucks as a group events facilitator, too. So I'm responsible for executing the company's brand experiences or Cole's memories, as they call them, on a daily. So my, my original background is in um, sport management. So that's what my degrees are in. Uh, but I've spent the past 13 years in the digital engagement and experience space in like various capacities. So from like corporate retail to sport marketing to divisional athletics, you know, I've been creating brand experiences for um, companies and corporations in all industries. So now I'm just here helping business owners and brands create those uh, memorable brand experiences of their own. So every day I'm spending my days um, as a brand experience strategist, um, creating some of those experiences. And, you know, just personally, I'm a mom, uh, I run, I like to travel, I'm a vegetarian foodie, um, and I love basketball. So that's really, <laughs> that's me. 
Nice, nice. So I honestly, it sounds like you are just superwoman. Um, <laughs> because I do, I thought I did a lot, but I don't have any kids. <laughs> and last yeah, month, I tried yeah. to be a vegetarian and I almost killed myself. It was the worst thing. <laughs> it's mind over matter. You got it. You just got, you, you get past 30 days and you get to go. You can set, you can, you, you can do it. You I, do I it. believe you. I believe you. So I'm going to give it another chance. <laughs> um, but okay. So earlier, Earlier, I was asking you, um, should, is, are you an expert in marketing or PR? Or what's the difference? Yeah. And you were saying um, you're an expert in brand experience. So tell us the difference between marketing, PR, and brand experience. Yeah, so um, marketing is really just tactics that, that people use to deliver um, experience essentially so it's if you think about it in the realms of like what branding marketing pr community relations all of those things just separate entities and ways to deliver a company's promise and proof right it's just different ways to do that some pr controls uh, the communication aspect of the of the brands and companies and that could be in terms of like press release you know media kits those kind of things dealing directly with the um public um through community engagement events those kind of things right marketing in the realm is just tactics on to deliver some of those um strategy so that can be like people that socialize in social media so like social media marketing falls under that bra uh, bracket and then you have like this whole branding space which is who what i am so that setting who a company is and ensuring that they deliver on that proof on promise and so we're, we're bucketed under that little branding area which is brand experience uh, which is different than the others so so people use the terms interchangeably mm -hmm. um really drives me crazy because it's actually separate things but when you're outside of the industry i i don't expect for people to always know the difference mm -hmm. um and that and that's really I, i'm here uh to clarify the difference because it's really separate skills within uh, under a bucket but separate skills got it got it okay well we're that, educating that the masses now so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. letting them know yeah. the difference now yeah. okay so your your business yeah. your company is called brand experience so tell us exactly like what services you provide at brand experience what is brand experience so brand experience brand experience sorry brand experience <laughs> yep, sorry that's okay that's okay <laughs> brand experience so we're we're a full service um branding and marketing communication firm so if you go back to the what we just talked about before um how we bucket them in different areas that's that's why we can call out that it's two separate things right so we're a branding and marketing communication firm and um that we have the capabilities to do everything in the realm that we just talked about but within that we specialize in creating those memorable brand experiences and so those experiences that we create flow from your brand to the world so telling that story and then those experiences that we create they they then create um, brand loyalists and advocates who that equal brand longevity and that value and awareness uh, that we're all seeking, which increases your brand's profit and market share, which is the ultimate goal. So, so that's, that's who, what we do at brand experience. That's who we are. Great. Great. So as I look at your name, brand experience, tell me, yep. tell me how you came up with the name. Was it just like the combination of brand experience Yep. So it was, I merged again, brand and experience together. So I just dropped the D and the um, EX and then combined the word. Uh, Cause to me, like they, they're 
they're two separate words, but they're really just one statement. And it's one statement that can't exist without the other. So I want people to move into a space where we think of brand experience as one thing, right? Not two separate things. Not like, how am I creating the experience? And it doesn't have to be attached to my brand, but it is. It's just one thing. So by, by making it our name, it forces you to understand that it, it always goes together. Your brand and your experience always go together. Yes. Solidified in our head. Brand experience. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So you're fairly new. So how new are you? Yep. So we're officially 105 days old. Okay. By the day. Got it. Yep. <laughs> 105. Yep. That's something serious. <laughs> that is original. I like it. 105 days. You're going to make me go back and see like how many days old is my company? You got to count. <laughs> We got a count. We we keep a little counter. We're like, yep, today we're 105. I yep. love <laughs> it. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, but still, so fairly new though. And um, yep. so, well, some of the questions that I get from yep. people who are interested in starting their business is just like, you know, how do I get get enough courage to even make that leap? So, so where did you get your courage? Um, yeah. So. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I still, I still have this code that I've had um, for forever. So the well, my lead to start the um, brand experience was just that. So I, I talked about my journey earlier, but I noticed that there was just a lack of concentration on the experiences that brands deliver right through all of their touch points. So I spent a lot of time helping these large corporations master these skills over this 13 year span. Right. And the problem was, and is that smaller businesses uh, struggle to gain some of that market share against the big guys because uh, they haven't been taught how uh, to focus in on the experience that they delivered. And that when they did, when they do that, it'll bring those advocates and loyalists that those big guys have. Um, and then it brings that longevity so that they can steal some of that market share from the big guys again. So most most brands were unaware of how to do it or how to deliver those experiences. And so, as I always teach everybody that brands should solve a problem. Mm -hmm. So that's what I set out to do. I wanted to solve that problem of that awareness of being out there by creating something that can help. And so that's how brand experience came. So really just assessing the gaps, doing a gas, a gap yeah. assessment and yep. figuring yep. out how you can meet that unmet need already. Yep. Got it. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yep. So what's the scariest part about starting your own business? So for me, so I'm very introverted and I'm anxious by nature, right? That's just like who I am. So the scariest part for me was to open myself up, right? I'm very shy, like despite to people are like beg to differ, but I'm very shy. Um, and I'm also a workaholic, right? So I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to put a stop to myself when I ventured out on my own. You know, I fear like I will work all the time because I'm dedicated to make an impact for the next generation. So those are the two scariest parts for me. I get that. I get that. So like one of my biggest fears when I um, decided that I was going to start my own business was um, just getting everyone else around me to like take it yeah. serious because yeah um, you know like your family whatever they'll always support you but like <laughs> they'll sort of be like oh it's just another little side hustle yeah her. you know because I'm a yeah. serial I'm a serial side hustler um, so you go on my social media you see in 2011 I had my blog you know 2012 oh, I started a business for, you know <laughs> designing things yeah. so it's like how do I take people like or make people take me serious I was like the yeah. the biggest thing like people are not going to take me serious and so I had right. to really uh, strategize on how I can yeah. make sure folks 
um, around me took me serious. Like this is like a real thing. So like, this is for real. Mm -hmm. Like I'm serious. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many times I start something. Like I'm serious though. So it's just like, I'm serious. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, and just, you know, staying focused for me was like the, the biggest thing. Like I gotta make sure, like I set my goals and I stay focused because I didn't want to, um, try to convince people that I was serious and then like kind of get away from that. So yeah. Yep, but you yep, get it. You yep, get yep. it. Um, I, I do. I get it. And there yep. are a lot of people, I think, who just don't have um, are, struggle really with facing their fears. I know there are so many yeah. people that I even work with in the corporate space. and like, I really want to start my business, but I just don't know mm-hmm. if it's the right time. But like, it's never mm-hmm. like the perfect time. So you just have to like make Ever. that leap. Right. And yep. just trust it's yourself. Never, never the perfect time. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Exactly. It's like having a kid. I've never had a kid. Literally. I imagine it's like having never, a kid. Never the perfect time. Right. Like never, mm-hmm. never the person. To, I say it all the time. Like it's never, you'll be like waiting forever because we can always find something to be like, well, but if I do this first, then I'm a do it what if I but I, it's never gonna just like do it and it'll it'll pan out I promise it will <laughs> exactly exactly um but I'd like to circle back to uh your expertise in branding because yep. once people do make that leap right and they start their business yep. um I think they don't always see the significance in branding so what tips can you give someone who wants to learn how to successfully brand their business Okay, so first I'll say that they have to understand the difference between what they're trying to do, right? So we talked earlier about like the branding and marketing, how we use it interchangeably, but they're really two different things. And so first they have to figure out uh, and understand the difference, right? So so that's one. Um, and then they need to uh, be consistent. So like if I... If, tips to give someone about successfully branding their business again are these like three things that I always like to say so be consistent and it's because like you talked about earlier you don't want to jump out there and start something and then you're doing it and then like you're not really consistent on it because you haven't really figured out what you want to do and that's the worst thing a brand can do and it hurts them and we live in a generation where it's very easy to start up things right like an LLC doesn't cost much and you can go on social media and website hosting isn't a lot and so we can quick, quick go and do these things but if we're not consistent then it won't build what we're trying to do so that's first first for me and um, second be solution focused so again brands should solve a problem like every business brand company whatever you want to call it should be out there solving problems for your customer so making sure that what you're trying to do is providing a solution so being solution focused again there's a lot of things that i like to do and hang out and all that stuff and I, there's a whole bunch of things I can create as a business, but do they really solve like a a problem for pain points for our customers? No. So make sure that you're um, solution focused. And then lastly, I like to say to remain proof of your promise. So if you, you hear me say this a lot, because that's an important statement, because we as businesses we have a promise like of what we're 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 going to do right so we we promise to whatever it is us we promise to deliver memorable brand experiences right the proof is in some of the experiences that we provide so we have to make sure that we're proof of that promise and i i like to give like the most recent example would be the gucci thing we just had right so Mm -hmm. gucci has a promise that they're that they are committed to diversity in every single aspect right the whole little statement Mm -hmm. they released right but the proof of that didn't match it right their proof of that promise because what they did is they created that sweater that is a direct um contradiction of the proof they put out there so brands brands that last and brands that are 
I make sure that they're proof of that promise. Just like I say, Chick-fil-A is probably the best example of being proof of their promise, right? <laughs> they are, they are committed to the customer experience at every touch point. It doesn't matter. And the proof is always in their experiences, whether that's saying that my pleasure after, whether they're, they're always happy all the time, like they're proof of everything they say they are. So to again, hone it back in first, be consistent. Second, be solution focused. And third, always remain proof of your promise. Awesome. That's excellent. Excellent tips. Um, so I liked how you mentioned the whole Gucci situation. Yeah. Um, so I hope that none of our <laughs> listeners will ever um, experience such a you know a tragic <laughs> yeah um, a mistake yeah. Um, with their companies. But what yeah. what if someone did find themselves in like a really really bad um, situation, such as uh, what Gucci's in right now? Like, what yep. would you recommend to them, or what would you recommend to Gucci? right now yeah so it's about being transparent right so gucci came out the gate again wrong right so gucci has to be transparent right and transparency comes in a few different ways first and foremost you admit your wrongs right like brands have a tendency to jump out and apologize we live in the era where it's like oh oh, yep it's quick to do let's hop on there and apologize but if, if gucci is transparent and to be honest gucci was not designed for who is wearing and using Gucci right here, like right now, you know? So the target that market that they have right now is it their original design, by design. Mm-hmm. And so they won't think of these things or care to, um, you know, change these things because it really wasn't designed for who's using it. And because of that, they have to make up statements like, oh, we're committed to all that, when really they're not. But if Gucci was transparent to say that, like, you know, hey, we messed up. Simple. Because there's no excuse they can make for it. You know, mm. I go back to, I was in corporate retail for eight years. And so I know the process that we go through for creative review, right? From inception mm-hmm. uh, to delivery. And there are several stages at several different touch points with C-suite executives below and down the pipeline that these things can only get by um, if they didn't mind because their target, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm trying to say? Like the target market, it gets through the pipeline because they don't care. And so they have to just say that like, yep. So our fault or whatever language they want to use, but do that. And when you do that, people connect with transparency, right? You can make a connection. What will happen is you'll start to be like, you know what? I messed up in my life too. You know what? Like maybe it's a teaching moment and maybe they can get it back. And that's what people start to do. Now, I'm not saying that's what we should do as consumers, but I'm saying from a brand's perspective, they should be transparent. That's it. And everybody should be transparent and then solution focused. So I said what I I was transparent about it and now what am I going to do? And then remember to the tips I gave, they got to be proof of their promise, right? So they got to be proof of their promise and then they got to be consistent. So these things go away. They pass over within a week. Next week, we won't care what Gucci did. But but Gucci has to continue to be um, proof of their promise and be consistent in those experiences that they're providing. Gucci probably needs to hire you. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm trying to tell you, like, people, like, if they focus on the experience, see, what happens is if you just focus on how people will experience you, like, that's a terrible right. experience. Like, terrible. how would you have ever thought that that was going to be okay? You know what I thought it? Because their target market doesn't see the problems. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I completely yep. get that. <laughs> All right, so let's let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk a bit about social media because social media is just so 
powerful, right? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And and it's it's so it changes so quickly. It I does. feel like every time I'm trying to get on the Instagram app, it's like loading and it's like a new version. <laughs> now, like now, what I got to learn, you know what I mean? Yep. So, um, one of the things that um is, uh, <laughs> comes to top of mind right now is IGTV. Yep. And I'd like to I'd like to learn more about that myself. I I see other people, other companies leveraging it, and I'm like, I yeah. should probably start using IGTV. It's yeah. just one more thing that I have to learn. But tell me, what are your thoughts around IGTV? Or what is it? And do you think it's yeah. useful for businesses? So IGTV is essentially Instagram's version, uh, YouTube version. So Instagram, you know, Instagram is infamous for taking pieces of other people's stuff yep. and implement it in their tools. Right? So we know that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so this is what they did again. So they tapped into it and they decided that they were going to make their own little mini uh, YouTube within their app and then make it a separate app. And the differentiator was that they can do vertical uh, videos um, on theirs versus uh, YouTube. So that's essentially what it is. So if you want to think about it, just think about it as uh, Instagram's YouTube. Okay, that's helpful. So, so my thoughts on it. So uh, obviously, I tried it out because you do that. You try, you try new tactics, new new marketing tactics. You try those uh, to see if they work. I I say that IGTV. I've seen it used properly by brands, and it has worked. The key to IGTV is going to be building that awareness. And getting your target audience used to using that tool by being consistent, right? So it's not something you can just jump out there and and do like here and there. You're going to do it a month and then you come back a month later. No, because remember, you also are tra training your audience to get used to it. So you have to do it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, our, people are still on YouTube more, right? And there's a YouTube allows you to do different things with your videos. So like IG uh, TV, they're housed up there at, at the top, which is fine. Um, but they can be missed at times also they're just not as powerful as youtube right now so all in all what i'm saying is i like igtv i think that it could be a good tool you got to be consistent but i find that youtube is still dominating in that in that space in that room do you have a do you have a igtv I we had one, uh, but we moved it into integrating it into the podcast segment and then on youtube on our youtube channel so okay yeah but but we did we used to do a segment uh memorable mondays on igtv um and it just allows for you to pop on there and have a longer video and then post it on your page um mm -hmm. and and but we moved that segment back to youtube where where our audience is and that's key too so gotta go to where your audience is so got it mine is on youtube Got it. I, I just, I feel like YouTube has to be kind of shaking in their boots a little bit because Instagram, I'm on Instagram a lot, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm not on, I'm, I'm not on YouTube as often. I go to, yeah. I go to YouTube when I need like a hair tutorial or, uh, <laughs> yeah. or like a tutorial for like programming something, right. Yep. Um, for, yep. you know, for my technical skills or something like that. But I, I feel like I'm on Instagram far more often cause it's just there. Right. So I can be on yep. Instagram when I'm parked and I'm waiting for my friend or something, yep. I'm just scrolling all the time. So I feel like it's just so much easier to like yeah. stream videos using instagram um and so maybe that's you know one of the reasons why i feel like youtube might be kind of like side-eyeing <laughs> instagram yeah. a little bit um because they're yeah. definitely creeping in their territory for sure they have, um they and, and they're known for that and well it's it's really facebook right because facebook owns ig correct 
Yep, yep, yep. So YouTube, but you know, YouTube is still like a powerhouse. So this this is a thing with like new innovative things. Like I'm saying, like when they're built on like being proof of their promise, like YouTube delivers a, a digital but visual hub for information, right? Which is essentially YouTube has turned into like a visual Google. Like how I like to think about it. Like that's mm-hmm. what YouTube has turned into. And because of that, they'll forever win. I know that if I am looking for like a visual representation of something I'm trying to look at, I'm going to forever go to YouTube. It will take IG in terms of the IGTV. It will take them years to build that kind of loyalty and advocacy over a YouTube powerhouse. Like you think like YouTube's been dominating consistently for so long to Mm -hmm. steal that market share in that realm. Mm -hmm. IG is that's going to have, they're going to have to put in a lot of work, even though, Mm Like they sell a lot of things and they can be successful in some of it. They're going to have to put in an, ex- an extreme amount of work to take down the likes of YouTube because like YouTube is monetized. It's so many different things. The mm-hmm. value that's provided in YouTube. It's very established. It's going to make it forever win. Yep. That's what I'm like. So, yeah. So, Got it. But I hear you. I think you, I think it's definitely worth trying out to see even if it connects with, with your audience. It mm-hmm. might connect for you. Yeah. So I, so on the same train of thought though, right? So uh, Instagram is sort of like treading into YouTube's territory, right? It's really about the innovation piece that's going to make Instagram yep. stand out, right? Um, yep. Yep. So yep. when I think about these innovations, I'm curious if you um, recognize any disruptive uh, trends in the marketing um, or so- social media space at all. Yeah, so disruptive trends for me, again, it's it's big for a lot of, again, people don't know what those differences are, but Mm -hmm. the disruption that you see Mm -hmm. is really in those experiential marketing tactics that Mm -hmm. people are using, which experiential marketing is brand experience, right? That's the term, that's the action of brand experience. And Mm -hmm. so disruptive things is that telling of the story, right? That's what it's about. It's telling telling stories. Um, And you can do those through like brand activations, uh, which we, we talked about again, um, which don't always have to be like the selling of something. Brand activations have very different goals for whichever touch point you try to use. But you'll see those through brand activations that have real personal connections with people um, that provide shareable content that promotes that advocacy. And so that that's those are what disruptive. So if you think about it, it's stuff like um, the share a Coke campaign, mm-hmm. right? The, like that's a disruptive campaign because A, we didn't know that it was coming in, in, out of anywhere. Mm-hmm. They just decided to do it. But that's a brand activation to build awareness. And what it did is it provided a personal connection by you can submit, have your name, get your own bottle. It provided shareable content because mm-hmm. everybody prompt you to upload it you wanted to upload it on its own and ultimately it went back to promoting uh, coke as a brand so that advocacy so it goes back to now you're like buying we're, we live in a in the health craze right now so everybody's eliminating soda you know that stuff but they took it back and reeled it back on them by advocating to get a coke even if you were just getting it to have your name on it so like mm-hmm. those are some disruptive marketing trends that they're doing that help uh, promote on social media so that just interrupted it so again, experiential marketing is what's disruptive and understanding what falls under experiential marketing will help make you disruptive. Yep. Got it. Got it. And so another thing that, uh, or marketing technique that comes to mind, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the fire festival. 
Um, yep. But it's been uh, trending as of late because of the documentary on Netflix and on Hulu. So I watched the one on, yep. on Netflix recently and yep. it just made me think about their their marketing strategy for the festival, which is to sort of yep. disrupt people's timeline with just yep. an orange picture. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought yes. I was like, hmm, that's interesting because, yeah. you know, I do scroll a lot, you know, just keep mm-hmm. scrolling and it's rarely do things catch my eye, uh, maybe like yep. a robot or something because I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, But I know for sure, like I would stop at just like a, a solid color because I'm like, what's that? So that really yep. reminds me of a, um, really what disruptive yeah. marketing is, especially yeah. as it relates to social media and leveraging that. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we talked about fire festival a lot. So we went live about it. We talked about it on the podcast. We made a couple posts about it because mm-hmm. uh, fire festival is in the realm of what we do, right? Fire mm-hmm. festival was creating an experience and they, they coined it as that, but that's what they were. And so they definitely were disruptive with the, um, orange square. And that's usually what we do. You, you find ways to be disruptive where fire festival dropped the ball was they weren't proof of their promise. And yep. so that's just that. <laughs> so that's just that. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's a, uh, another company yep. that probably could use like, their services. Another one, that's what I just said. They failed being proof of their promise. Yep. That's what I was like. And then they yeah. failed being transparent when, yep, they <laughs> when did. they needed After to be. When they needed to be. So see, we're learning that. so yep. much here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. See, and what we should be noticing as a trend is if they would focus on the experience a lot of companies would not go through the things they go through exactly exactly um okay so last thing i want to tell listeners um what they could expect if they um, decided to use your services at brand spirit so tell us what what's that like from the discovery call and forward Yep. So, uh, that, so again, they can they can expect that we are going to take the time to create some of those memorable brand experiences at every touch point, and and at the end of the spectrum is some of those experiential marketing tactics. But we take a while before we even get to those tactics to make sure that we are being proof of our promise and and catering and delivering the message that we want to. So that starts with the discovery call, and on that call, it's simply that it's a discovery to see where the two of us, the brand and us, can partner together to be most effective in terms of the services we provide. So that's first and foremost, and that happens with everybody when they start off. So you book it, you have that call. After that, for us, again, there's there's no one-step process to, to, to any brand. And for people that do that, that have like a setup, one step, you go this step, this step, this step per person, you'll you'll find you'll tend to struggle because every brand should be treated different because everybody's experience journey is different. Right. So there's like guidelines that we follow, which is like a discovery call, but each next step could be different per the brand. And so it's really dependent on where you are. So after that, you could go to from a discovery call where we're just trying to discover what can happen. You can go to a clarity call. Right. But some brands may be able to go right over to their brand strategy session. And then some brands might be past both of those stages, And they're really at the implementing stage where they can go right to uh, the package picking that they want to. Some brands may be after the discovery call, we have DIY packages where you can do it on your own. So you might be ready to move in that realm. But all of that is is discussed during this discovery call. And then me and my team spend the time to figure out where this brand needs to go to next. Because it's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody that has you talk to them one time and jump to their services is always a little leery to me. Like there should mm-hmm. be a little bit of discovery journey between yeah. the two before. And building a relationship. 
and build it. Yeah, that's what my soul is because that's what it's about, right? So anybody that doesn't have it set up that way, and it's a little leery. So we don't do that over here at Brand So after the discovery call, the journey is really, we discover that journey together. Awesome. Awesome. So say I am, uh, you know, brand spanking new to owning yep. my own business and I want to use your services. So how much should I budget for? So again, goes back to that like customizable experience that we provide, mm-hmm. right? So to say that you should probably have like, X amount of money um, set aside, uh, we really don't because qu- again, it depends on the journey. But if you want to start first off, the discovery call has a, a small fee to it. So there's that. Um, and then so to, to really start the process, you need about twenty dollars okay. <laughs> for, for a discovery call. Right. And then after that, we talk about that journey and we build out the packages because, again, one it's not a one size fits everybody. And so it's really just about which services you're adding in there. You can have like a full service, which is everything package, or you can have some of those DIY packages which are really help the people who are don't have a large budget to commit to some like the full service we offer a lot of diy um, um packages and then um you can also have some a la carte services you can add take away things you can set a budget after we've talked about some of the things we can do and we can fit to make it work so it's really hard to give like have this x, x amount of dollars um outside of that 20 dollar fee <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, so twenty dollars kicks you off, and then we talk about it from there. It's how much you're willing to invest in your business, and it's extremely important the experience. So, how much you're willing to invest in that? Okay, well, twenty dollars is you know <laughs> that's doable for a discovery yeah, I mean, call, um, right? And definitely right. worth your services, I'm sure. So, last yeah. question. Uh, do you yeah. have any advice for someone who kind of wants to start uh, a marketing company or yeah. a brand experience company like yourself? Yep. So um, it'll go back to some of the tips I had too. So again, be consistent and patient, right? So if you're doing it the right way, nothing happens overnight. Um, but more importantly, it will take you time. So everything you are trying to do for the brand still happen for yourself. There's an awareness stage. You know, there's all. So it'll take you time to build up that rare. And in the beginning, you should really be providing on how you can help instead of versus like trying to set out to get money or get the sales or get clientele. You really should be trying to provide your expertise. And that's going to happen by being consistent and patient. Then I'll say um, never compromise your quality for quantity. And that happens a lot in this marketing space that we are in because, again, people can do things quick. There's a lot of service. There's a lot of but but you never uh, compromise your quality because it'll show. And again, that longevity you're going after, you'll get. And then I say it uh, for the 19,000th time, Mm -hmm. remain to be proof of your promise. Mm -hmm. So everything you do should be proof of that promise. And that happens in the experiences that you deliver. So that promise, that proof, the proof comes in the experience. So be proof of that. And then lastly, uh, make sure to focus on your your own brand's experience. Every experience is an experience, like the way people experience us, every all of it is an experience. And so it's just up to us that if we choose to, you know, um, control it or help help the narrative. But remember that it is also an experience for you. So that's that's what I'll tell anybody that's starting a marketing company, but definitely just in general, if you're starting any kind of business, really, really those four different things. Well, 
Teju, you are amazing. And Thank I'm sure you. I'm sure uh, our listeners will want to find out how they can reach you. So please um, share your Instagram handle, Facebook yep. handle, whatever else you'd like. All right. Yeah, so we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. It's all um, at Brand Experience. And then we do have um, a YouTube channel, which is also a brand experience. And then we have a podcast called the brand experience or podcast. We're on anchor too. Um, so you can find us on there. And then our website is www.brandsperience.com. And then lastly, if you want to chat, whatever, um, talk to us, it's info at brand and, and we're ready to chat. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I learned so much. Thank and I you appreciate for having you. Us. <laughs> we appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Of course. That's all we have for you today. As always, give us a follow on our Instagram and Facebook pages, Jack Constellations and Down to Mars Podcast. Down to Mars Podcast functions as a platform for Jack Constellations Milky Way initiative to rebrand Milwaukee as the Milky Way Tech Hub, a tech hub that thrives on diversity. If you are interested in supporting diversity in tech, please donate by visiting our website, downtomarsmke.com. Happy Black History Month, y'all.